and welcome to Interval, the Norwich Theatre Royal podcast. With a new episode releasing each month, this show will bring you exclusive news, views, interviews and behind-the-scenes content. We will have the latest information for shows and events at Norwich Theatre Royal, Norwich Playhouse and our Learning and Participation Centre, Stage 2. If you're interested in the performing arts in Norfolk, then this is the podcast for you. In this month's episode, we chat to the legendary Simon Callow about his latest brush with Noel Coward, Scottish folk musician Barbara Dixon, who will be returning to the Theatre Royal, and local writer James McDermott is exploring living with homelessness as part of the next Creative Matters season. One of the most acclaimed actors in British theatre, Simon Callow will be returning to the Theatre Royal stage for A Song at Twilight in April. The production is a lesser performed Noel Coward play and is part of a trilogy known as Sweet in Three Keys. Each play is set in the same Swiss hotel suite. As part of Coward's final work before he died, it possesses the usual wit and repartee one can expect from the great playwright. Simon spoke to us about his personal fascination with Noel Coward, his recent one-man adaptation of A Christmas Carol, and his love of the city of Norwich. Well, it, 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 it's a very fascinating character, isn't it? I mean, um, like most characters, I suppose, in, 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 in any drama worthy of the name, it, it, it's compounded of lots of different elements. Mm. I mean, it's, as we know, he read a book about Max Beerbohm, um, uh, 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 David Cecil's biography of Max Beerbohm, in which he was visited, Beerbohm was visited by a former mistress. Right. And uh, uh, Beerbohm by now was ancient and, and really frail, and the mistress was incredibly vital. And that's a sort of image which must have stuck in his mind. Mm. Then, of course, he knew Somerset Morton very well, and all the darkness and repression and misery that was in Morton, especially in his later years, also obviously stuck in, in, in Coward's mind. Somewhere in there, too, is a self-portrait. Yes. Uh, and a very severe self-portrait. Um, uh, and, uh, um, uh, of course, hovering over it all, or running underneath it all, is, is the whole issue of homosexuality and the repressed, um, uh, the, the cost of repression. I think it's probably one of the most deeply felt of all of Coward's plays. It, he was very, very proud of it. And uh, he felt that it was a sort of supreme achievement, his supreme, one of his, maybe the supreme achievement, his, as a craftsman. Yes. And it is a very, very interestingly crafted play because the character of Hugo, uh, though sort of uh, um, initially... Um, impervious to the, 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 the you know, onslaughts of Carlotta, does finally, when she's gone, does finally read the famous letters from his, from his boyfriend. Mm. And as far as we can see from the text, is shaken, absolutely shaken by reading them. And uh, this thing about confronting the past, uh, it's very interesting in terms of Coward, because Coward, contrary to the pu public imagination, uh, which completely bought his image of him, the image he was trying to project of this, this extraordinarily brilliant 
uh, man who was in control of everything in his life, yeah. was in fact an extremely um, uh, emotionally unstable person uh, who had a number of nervous breakdowns, which he quite frankly reveals in his autobiographies. And then other things which he doesn't talk about in his autobiographies, which were extreme um, passions, extreme um, emotional uh, uh, involvements with uh, unsuitable objects of his love. Mm. Um, famous actor Lee Hayward, for example, whom he directed in a, in a, in a revival of a, one of his plays, and became tormented by this affair and, and uh, really uh, went a little mad. I've always thought about Todd's plays. I, I find them very interesting. And, um, indeed, once I wrote a, um, a, 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 a film for um, HBO about Cloud and uh, Gertrude Lawrence, which oh. never got made, but it, but it, uh, it, it, it did um, enable me to really go quite deeply into Cloud. Uh, yeah. And uh, he's a very, very, um, very complicated and very, very interesting person. Much more interesting than the person who invented the persona he invented. Yeah. And I think all of that swirling around inside Sonic Climate. But what is it about Coward that particularly intrigues you as a person? Because he has been a part of your career and clearly someone that you're very interested in as well. It's partly just willpower, you know. It's mm. that sort of thing which is very fascinating in, in great stars. Yeah. It's the way in which they impose themselves on their times. And he did set out to do that. To, to, to become a, um, a, a de defining personality of, of his time. And uh, for at least 25 years, he was regarded as a universal genius. He started in review and rather light plays. Yes, yeah. And then he graduated to the extremely brilliant place that we, we know and love, that still revived constantly, designed for living and, mm -hmm. and, and all that stuff. But also he wrote these great big historical epics. When Orson Welles created Citizen Kane, the person he was most frequently compared to, amazingly enough, was Noel Coward. Goodness. Because he was so competent in so many areas. Yeah. I think he really wanted to leave the world uh, with a play which was extraordinarily um, skillfully crafted and full of uh, grit, you know, mm -hmm. which, which it is. In at least three of his plays, Gary Essendeen, Charles Condamine, and I think Eliot uh, in uh, um, uh, 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 Private Lives, mm -hmm. are actually men who are on the brink of a nervous breakdown yeah. themselves. They, 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 they behave with childish explosions of rage. Um, they're, they're, they're bewildered as to who they are. Their world is falling apart. And uh, in that sense, you know, he does uh, sing the 20th century blues. Um, it's more modern than we know, more modern than we generally allow them to be. We often like these plays to be period pieces. But they're almost all of them about keeping chaos at bay, only barely. <laughs> and it's wonderful to be able to take a show like this uh, and a play like this around the country. It's something that Theatre Royal Bath 
do a lot but to, to share this wonderful writing with hopefully a new generation of people as well as those who love coward themselves well most people don't know so much Twilight mm. at all it's part of a, um, a, 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 a sort of trilogy called um, uh, Sweet in Three Keys which in fact was the origin of Neil Simon's later idea of Plaza Suite oh. like three plays set in the same hotel suite with different characters obviously in each play um but this is the one that everybody knew was 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 the important one, mm. and uh, it had a, 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 a television production some must be twenty five or maybe thirty years ago with Paul Schofield as mm. Hugo Latimer, which is a, a, an absolutely wonderful performance by Paul, extraordinarily complex and uh, full of hidden repressions. Which I think that is what it's all about, mm. and uh, he knows. That actually his work is mediocre because that's a, an important point about Hugo Latimer. Mm. Unlike Mom, I think we are to understand that Hugo Latimer's work is respectable and good and skillful but dead. Right, right, I see, yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked a little bit about Coward, the other um, great literary figure I'd like to talk a bit about because you've portrayed him here in Norwich and uh, many other places as well as Dickens as well. He was he's about the wonderful sort of uh, yeah. one-man show. Did, are, literary, are there certain literary figures, Coward, Dickens, that opportunity particularly inspire you? Do you admire the, the, those great literary figures? Or was Dickens, again, somebody who really kind of stuck out for you as, as somebody who was incredibly talented with a, with a great eye for character and dialogue, etc.? Well, Dickens is not only, to me, infinitely brilliant as, a, as an artist, mm. but infinitely attractive as a man. Yeah. And uh, uh, I'm fully aware of his egregious faults. But uh, I would give anything to meet Charles Dickens or yeah. to be a friend of Charles Dickens and, uh, in a way that one wouldn't particularly want to meet Shakespeare because I don't think Shakespeare would say anything at all. I think he'd just be listening. That's <laughs> very true. I hadn't thought of it like that. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, 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 but uh, Dickens was sort of extraordinarily, just the vitality, the generosity, the passion, the... Wild humour, the, the, but and the the absolute commitment to the situation of other people, disadvantaged people, people who are, uh, have have fared ill from our society, and uh, uh, but there was nothing sentimental about it in mm. this case, not at all. He was sentimental about certain things, young women, for example, in a rather loathsome way, but but in uh, about uh, uh, the suffering, he was not sentimental because he'd done it. He'd yeah. been there. He knew exactly what it was to be poor and, 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 and rejected and so on. Um, so um, uh, he's my personal hero without any question. And the final question I need to ask you about, obviously, a return to Norwich post Godet, which was maybe 10 years ago, I think, wasn't it? And, and yeah. Dickens, are you looking forward to, to coming back to the Theatre Royal and, uh, well, and treading know. the boards here again? I love that theatre. I absolutely yeah. love that theatre. It's huge. And um, daunting when you walk on the stage, you think, my God, and yet it's got a great intimacy. It's, mm. And it's astonishing to think it was created as a, as a, as a cinema originally. Mm. I'm right about that, aren't I? You are, yeah. yes, it was an, o an Odeon cinema floor yeah, plan, right. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it's, yeah. It's one of the most uh, enjoyable theatres to play. I, I absolutely love it. And of course, I, I do love Norwich. And I happened all those years ago uh, after 9 11. Uh, to come to Norwich, just 
with the Dickens play, it was yeah. the day or, or, or the week after 9-11. And I, 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 I wrote a piece in the Sunday Times about it uh, uh, because I thought this is exactly everything in a way. Norwich expresses everything that, that perhaps our civilization or culture has been about, which is the wonderful alliance of the mercantile with the godly uh, and the, uh, the, 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 the sense of, 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 of a community which cohered um, absolutely on many, many levels. Mm. And I still think knowledge has that quality. It's a unique uh, place. And I always urge anybody who doesn't really know England to go to Norwich because it's, it contains so much, which is amazing. They survived the, the bombs. I mean, uh, I know much was lost, but mm. it's amazing that much remains and uh, is honoured and uh, it, 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 it's a joy to, to, to be in that city. And yeah. we certainly had a wonderful time with God. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. A Song at Twilight runs from Monday the 8th to Saturday the 13th of April. Multi-million selling recording artist Barbara Dixon and her accomplished band return to Norwich in March. Barbara will perform a range of material drawing on her folk roots, as well as performing globally known hits such as The Caravan Song and Another Suitcase in Another Hall. Barbara told us about the structure of her new tour, the experience of revisiting her classic tracks, and her work on the stage. I do every two years when I go out with my bat so there's five of us on stage and obviously I don't do that very often yeah but um every two years I do it so it's two years uh beginning of 2017 that we last did this and uh you know I've passed a couple of milestones like 50 years of professional musician which is unbelievable <laughs> and actually 2017 uh was the, the my 40th year of doing headlining tours the first one I did in 1977, I cannot believe it. But anyway, so these milestones have passed, and here we are. I'm re- rehearsing on my own currently, uh, like mad, um, trying to learn all my things I need to learn, because I'm quite um, a- an important instrumentalist in my band now. You know, I started off as an instrumentalist. Mm. So uh, I play guitar and piano, so I have a lot to learn. It's not just words of songs and which uh, frock I'm going to wear. <laughs> it's just completely different. You know, I not only do I need to decide what frock I have to wear, which I decided which, some yeah. time ago now, three right. or four months ago, but the frocks have to work with taking a guitar over my head, mm. you know, things like that. I need to be able to move okay and play instruments and stuff. So it's quite interesting. It's quite complex what I need to do before a tour but currently I'm learning all my own bits then at the end of next week I uh, meet the band and my bits slot into their bits and we have a jigsaw puzzle hopefully this is the evolution of a career like mine really that, that there's bits and bobs of everything there's another suitcase in another hall of course and easy terms from the theater there's um beatles a bit of beatles um jerry rafferty of course because of my connection with jerry rafferty and my album of his songs which was about five years ago now 
Um, I'm doing some traditional music, which is where I came from originally. So that's very much a part of who I am. And my, you know, and the pop things that people would expect yeah. me to do, um, which tie in with the sort of delivery of the way, I think the way we deliver everything I do is in an organic, very melodic kind of way. It's quite acoustic in feel, although it's not acoustic. But there, it's it's not big production. There's no kind of huge production apart from in arrangements. Uh, we don't do kind of big lights and big this, that, and the other. And it's not a sort of 80s fest, you know. No, it's not yeah. that nothing to do with that because I started as a professional musician in 1968 in folk music, and I've ended up now. Um, you know, recording and looking at songs from all sorts of backgrounds. So it's a really big, varied thing. And of course, a lot of people who are, say, sort of 45, 50, 50 years old and older, who are the majority of the audience, they have a very broadly based musical background as well. They're not just, uh, they're not just interested in one type of music. Mm-hmm. Well, I was really interested in what you were saying about you know, reimagining and, and presenting work. Through Line was a really interesting project as well, kind mm-hmm. of taking another look at some of your songs. Well, there? exactly, that's right, because one tends to just kind of get stuck with the fact that that was a hit then, that was a hit then. But actually, looking at those things, it was suggested to me by John O'Hara, who produced that album. He's a really marvellous musician himself. He said, have you ever thought about um, uh, revisiting those songs with, it, with, a, with a string quartet? Now, string quartets are very dear to my heart because I've worked with the Emperor String Quartet previously in the, in the 2000s. But to work with the Carducci now, or this year, last year, 2018, was fantastic. The most beautiful sound. It's just absolutely, it's impossible to describe it because it's fantastically acoustic, yet it's very dramatic. How did you feel about going back to some of those songs that have clearly been a big part of your career and kind of looking at them again from a sort of creative perspective? Was it well, a bit of nostalgia it, it, or did it, did it fire you up creatively a bit as well? Well, actually, the, the, it was in, it's interesting you've hit on that because January, February was a song years ago. I used to say, I don't do that. Right. I'm not interested in that <laughs> song because it's too much of a, a sort of rumpty-tumpty kind of pop song and it's, you know, it doesn't have anything mm. for someone of my vintage to be singing. It doesn't matter that it's been a hit. It's a good record, is yeah. what I was saying. Yeah. But it's, it, doesn't, it, it, it doesn't bear uh, scrutiny. But actually, when we started doing it like it was a jig, which is what we did do about four years ago, then I quite liked it again. And now it's been revisited by the Carducci, and I think possibly it's the best track on the album. Oh, really? Um, so, yeah, honestly, it's so interesting what's happened to that song. It doesn't have a great amount of depth as a, as a, as a piece, but it was a great record originally mm. in 1980. And it's a really good it's a good thing to revisit because it's quite complex. Um, that song worked very well. And, of course, Caravans works on every level because mm. it was done by a, uh, a, a symphony orchestra. It was the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra who did it originally. Uh, and I sang with them. But then I sing it with acoustic guitar and Nick Holland plays piano when we go on tour. Wow. That's, how, that's how we do Caravans now. It's so small and beautiful and it actually has this anthemic hymnal quality which people love so it's amazing what can happen to songs um 
they, 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 so all the songs that I've done in my past, apart from Answer Me, which has to be that kind of frothy, poppy, Latin thing that it was always, um, which is now lovely kitsch, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it's yeah. a dear, really nice record. Um, other than that, I've, I've changed everything else. I don't do I Know Him So Well because it's a duet mm. and it's a power ballad and I can't really revisit that kind no, of thing. No. But loads of stuff that I've done in the past, I do look at again and say, yeah, that can be done. That's really interesting. And anything that has especially has a lyrical quality that I can revisit, I tend to do that because I can reinterpret it quite easily if it has depth in the lyric. I finally just want to chat to you a little bit about your stage work because people who listen to this will be, yes, will be interested course, in that. Yes. And the whole, uh, I, I never realised it again until I was reading this about the whole, your friendship with Willie Russell and how that all kind of began with Blood Brothers and all that sort of thing, which is an incredible story. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, well, the thing was that I knew Willie Russell through folk music. He and I were good friends before the theatre, and he became a playwright and wanted me to sing in John Paul George, Ringo and Bert, which was his show about the Beatles in 1974. Oh, wow. So that's when I really started my professional um, involvement with Willie. But um, the, the, my, my work in the theatre was just fantastic. It's been really great because the things I've done have been really, you know, strong, meaningful things. I mean, I do think musical theatre now has turned into a sort of more of an event. Yes. Then, then it's, more, it's more about uh, the frocks and the, the uh, things like that and, uh, you know, people's recognition of the material rather than, uh, rather than it being something to go away thinking about. I'm very lucky because John Paul George, Ringo and Bert, Blood Brothers and Spend, Spend, Spend and my own show, The Seven Ages of Women, mm. were all things that people went out and thought about as they went through the door because we were trying to bring something meaningful and artistic uh, to my life. Mm. And then I shared it with everybody else. So that's what was so brilliant about being involved in those shows. Finally, I always have to ask this question uh, in terms of, do you, do you know Norwich, Norfolk East Anglia at all? I know you've performed I, in this area. I do love Norwich. I mean, it used to be England's second city, it so was. it's an important place. And I, I love the cathedral there, and I love the history of the town. Sadly for me, when I'm on tour, I see the inside of an hotel room and a plate of salad if I'm lucky. <laughs> and that'll be it. And I know the theatre, so it'll be nice to go back to that theatre again. Yeah. The last time I was in Norwich, it was brilliant. I was outside the Madder Market, and I saw this fabulous little thing <laughs> on a wall, a plaque about um, Kemp, the, oh, yes. the, 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 the actor, yeah. the Elizabethan actor, or uh, I think he was. He Morris danced all the way to London from that wall. No, our, our restaurant here is named after him for Kemp's restaurant. Uh, so it all fits Will, together. Will Kemp, it was. It was. It? It was, it was. Uh, so I just remember that, and I say to anybody, you, you, nobody knows anything about Norwich. <laughs> you know something about Norwich, and I tell them that. <laughs> but it'll be great. It'll be the last night of my tour, so my goodness, will I ever be probably pleased to finish yeah. and pleased to finish in Norwich and then I'll be coming back to Edinburgh afterwards which will be lovely for me. Barbara Dixon will be here in concert on Sunday the 10th of March. And finally, in our latest Creative Matters season, the programme will be exploring the theme of living with homelessness. 
presented in partnership with Broadland Housing Group, there will be performance, debate, film screenings, and art exhibitions. James McDermott is a writer based in Holt and is developing a brand new play called Street Life, made especially for creative matters. James told us about the creative process and what he hopes the play will achieve. He also discussed his popular screenwriting course in stage two and the advice that he would give to budding writers in the Norfolk area. So my name is James McDermott and I am a 25 year old playwright living in Holt in Norfolk. The majority of my work so far has been about growing up gay in East Anglia and the play that I've written that's um, mostly about that is called Robbering, which is a one-man show about that that I'm now turning into a sitcom. The new show I'm doing is called Street Life with Norwich Theatre Rule Stage 2 and that is a verbatim play about um, living with homelessness in which we've interviewed lots of people who were or are homeless in Norwich and I'm then turning their testimonies into a play. Uh, is it a subject you knew much about before? What, what sort of drew you to it? Um, I was drawn to it because I always want to write about things I don't understand. So I write about homophobia a lot because I can't understand why that exists. I want to write about homelessness because I can't understand why that exists. Whatever we're told, I think we're a very rich country where so much money is ploughed into completely unnecessary things, i.e. sports stars' salaries or chain coffee shops. There's so much money around. And the fact people can't afford houses, especially in a county where lots of people have second or third homes, um, that was something I wanted to interrogate. Emotionally, I'm always drawn to representing underrepresented lives on stage, be that gay people in Norfolk or homeless people. I wanted to put their voices on stages where we're used to seeing middle-class characters or kings and queens to kind of suggest that homeless people can be just as poetic or heroic or as brave as those kings and queens we're used to seeing on stage. The play is written using solely the words of the people we've spoken to, so I've been given audio recordings of interviews that the director has done um, with several people who were living with homelessness. I've then transcribed those and then I'm turning those transcriptions into text that will be acted, so just turning them into a more structured story. Um, so at the minute I imagine there's going to be 15 stories we're going to tell, um, varying in length, varying in depth, and they're all going to be kind of put together in an hour-long show, which will be at stage two in February as part of the homelessness season. Um, as you were saying, it's part of a wider season yeah. of events. Um, you've been involved with another Creative Matters season yeah. here, haven't you? Could you yeah. tell us a little bit about what you did uh, for that and then also how things have progressed since? Yeah, so the first Creative Matters season was um, LGBT. That was the theme they were exploring. And I performed Rubbering, a one-man play about growing up gay Norfolk there, um, and did a writing workshop about how to turn um, your experience as an LGBT person into stories which was just such a fruitful thing, I enjoyed that immensely. Um, since then, as I say, Rubber Ring has gone on to um, tour further, and I'm currently turning it into a sitcom with Hattrick, um, which hopefully will be shot next year, which is very, very exciting. And I've since gone on to teach at Norwich Theatre Royal. I teach a 10-week scriptwriting course with me every Tuesday. We do that twice a year. That kicks off again in April. I'm going to plug that now, why not? Um, if people wanted to do that, so we work together every Tuesday, 7 to 9, and we kind of learn tools and techniques to write scripts. And I'm writing a new kind of sitcom for another company called Big Talk, which will be a big gay love story set between Norfolk and London. No one knows about that yet, so that's a <laughs> little bit of news for you. There you go. Right. Yeah. It sounds like you're busy. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so, but I'm loving it as well. I'm mm. one of those people that has to be doing stuff all the time, just very restless. Mm. So, I, yeah. 
with your script writing course, uh, what sort of people are coming to that and, and uh, wh where do you see that <coughs> developing how, and how do you see them, the, the people on the course, developing? Yeah, so the people that come along to it at varying ages, we kind of have people as young as 16 and as um, old as 17, 18, we've had lots of people do it. Um, in terms of their development, people leave learning, to, having learned lots of tools and techniques to help them structure stories, create characters, write dialogue. People become more confident about talking about their work and talking about their lives. I think writing is such a personal thing. I think everything you write is autobiographical because it comes from within you. So they become more articulate about their lives, which is always a really moving thing to watch. People um, are more comfortable talking about themselves, talking about their work. And the work people make is really, really beautiful. I kind of love working with either really young people or really older people because I think they've got such a um, unique perspective on the world. They're either seeing things for the first time and so everything they see is wonderful and new or they're seeing everything through the eyes that have seen things for 70, 80 years. They're so reflective and thoughtful. Um, I find it such a fruitful thing to work with them because I'm a bit vampiric. I get so much energy and ideas myself through kind of working with those writers. So it's my favourite thing to do in the year of everything I do teaching that course. is just a joy, yeah. And you grew up in Cromer. Um, do you see yourself um, moving to London, perhaps, to, to pursue your career further, or...? Um, I think if I were an actor, I'd have to move to London, because you're kind of on call for auditions all the time. I think as a writer, you can be anywhere. And that's something that I build into the workshops as well, I think. Um, so many other writing courses, or so many courses you do at uni, you just learn lots of tools and techniques to help you write a script, but you don't learn anything about how you can be a writer afterwards. And I always bang home that you don't have to go to the big city. Norwich is big enough. You don't have to go to a big city to kind of make your name and um, do that. And aside from writing, Norfolk just makes me happy as a person. I'm a big walker. Um, I don't really like lots of people. I would rather <laughs> spend time with people I've made up. Um, and Norfolk's just fast and cruel and cold and competitive. Everyone's chasing something. And I don't like that. Norfolk's very daft and slow and um, calm. And so that suits me emotionally and professionally, I think, just having a place. You make your best work when you feel comfortable. I don't believe that you've got to suffer all the time to write. just got to have an imagination. Um, and I feel very happy in Norfolk. Um, what are you hoping will be the reaction to the play? I'm hoping that people will um, leave the play better understanding homelessness and... I think with so many huge themes, I think this is the gesture of lots of the stage two work with their creative matter seasons, the shows help to humanise issues. Because we talk about these things so many times, we're used to seeing them on social media or print media, just as words, homelessness, but we forget that it is something people live with physically and emotionally. So I want people to leave the show understanding that um, people aren't an issue, they are a person underneath that. Um, and as I said about why I wanted to write the play as well, I want them to leave realising that everyday people, be them homeless or just an audience in Norfolk, can be just as heroic and brave um, as characters they used to see on stage. Street Life runs from Wednesday the 27th to Thursday the 28th of February. Creative Matters Living with Homelessness runs throughout the month across Stage 2, Norwich Playhouse and the Norwich Theatre Royal. For more information on James's scriptwriting course, visit our website, www.theatreroyalnorwich.co.uk. That's the end of our show this month. Thanks to Simon Callow, Barbara Dixon, and James McDermott. 
Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Let us know what you liked and what you want to hear in future episodes. Thank you very much for listening to Interval, the Norwich Theatre Royal podcast. <laughs>